0: Welcome back to Silver on the Sage podcast. My name is Caitlin Lowe. I'm your host. This is episode 13 in season one. And in this episode, we get to talk to Todd Zinn. And in 2000, he was a Trek participant. In 2004, he was a conservationist at Apache Springs. In 2005, he was a conservationist at Cimarroncito. And in 2006, a work crew foreman. Todd returned as a Jewish chaplain at Philmont in 2014, 2015, 2016, and 2017. He is actually returning to the ranch this summer, 2021, to be an advisor on a trek. So that's pretty exciting. In this episode, we get to talk, of course, about spirituality at Philmont, um, about the rewards and challenges of being a Philmont chaplain, and my favorite part, uh, we get to talk about how we are more, more alike than we are different, and how that really unites us as a Philmont community and as a people in general. Once again, and as always, thank you for listening. Let's hike on. <music> Todd, how's it going?
1: Hey, Caitlin. Thank you so much for uh, for having me today.
0: Absolutely. This is going to be fun. I'm really excited. Um, and you are coming from, where are you at today?
1: I, I am in Chicago where I live. Uh, I'm sitting in, um, in what's become my home office for the last year or so. Um, yeah. And so super excited to talk to you.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm in my home office storage closet, so <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. Um, well, let's you know how we do on this podcast is we start off by taking it way back. So I'm just wondering um, your story about how you ended up at Philmont Scout Ranch.
1: Awesome, yeah absolutely. so uh, so first I want to like Caitlin, I want to thank you so much for like for, for doing this podcast, for giving like me an opportunity to to, to share my stories. Uh, I want to thank Justin. Um, I, he's a person I really like to talk to as well. Yeah. Um, and has, and, and for, uh, encu- in, 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 uh encouraging you to ask me to, uh, to come on. Um, how did I get to Belmont? So, um, my, um, I started out in scouting as a tiger cub, um, right? Like, and, uh, I like it, it, t- it says something both about, um, how old I am, um, right? That I've been in scouting since Tiger Cubs. It also says something about how young I am. Um, yes. Because Tiger Cubs is a relatively new program. Yeah. Um, and I was one of the earliest years of, of of Tiger Cubs, but I started out in Tiger Cubs um, okay. and have been involved in scouting since then, right? Um, through Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and um, uh, Scouting BSA now um, and uh, for most of my life.
0: Awesome. That's a great place to be. I did not grow up in scouting, but I'm excited to, you know, Try to enter, try to do that with my kids now. So I'm really looking forward to when they're they're ready, they're age appropriate. Um, For sure. And you worked at Philmont. So you have the unique perspective of being at Philmont in in three roles, really. Well, so you were a participant and then you worked on seasonal staff um, in the backcountry in the conservation department. And then you worked for four summers as a chaplain and, and this upcoming summer, you're going to be on track. Is that right? As an advisor?
1: Exactly. I was, I'm incredibly excited to, <laughs> to go back. Um, yeah. It's one of the things I'm most excited about, but yeah. So um, I, I came on track um, in 2000, in the summer of 2000, um, uh, which was my first experience at Felmont. Um, You know, before that, right. I'm a, I'm a younger brother, right. Like in like many younger brothers, right. Like we have older, older, older siblings who, um, who kind of blaze the way for us. Um, and so my brother had been on track a couple years before I was, um, and he, like, he inspired me and really inspired my dad. Um, we came out on a council contingent that my father led, and it was the first time that either of us had been out, um, to Philmont. Uh, and so we came out and came out on track. Um, and it was one of those things where, um, I was like, right, like you, you like I got left and I knew that there was, that I was going to come back, right? Yeah. I knew I was going to make my way back. Um, and you know, I it took a couple of years and I kind of wish I had had the opportunity to do a special track. I wish I had done one of like OATC or rocks or Rayado Um, but I didn't do any of those. And, um, and when I was in, um, a freshman in college, I said like, this is the time, right? Like, what am I going back to do this summer? Right. I'm you know, go back to work at, you know, at day camp. Um, right. Like go back to hang out in, in Massachusetts where I'm from. Um, and so I, um, I sent in an application, um, and I really like, I was like overwhelmed by like the number of options and I don't like and I kind of I don't think I wrote down conservationist um but somebody said this person would be good in the conservation of higher uh, and so I ended up as a conservationist at Apache Springs um and then at um at Simoncito uh that was o four and 05 and then I was a work crew foreman um in 06 uh and then I and then like and then work life happened right and um, my schedule did not allow me for um, to have like as many um, at long summers, um, I was uh, I was teaching. I was a elementary school teacher for a while. I was traveling a lot, um, and I would spend my summers. Oftentimes, I spent a bunch of those summers at like a at a traditional residential camp in California, where I was living at the time. Okay. Uh, and and then when I went back to school, when I went back to rabbinical school, um, uh, I uh, to studying to become a rabbi. I I, uh, I realized like here's another cool opportunity, right? Here's another time to be back. And uh, in uh, in twenty 14 um, I sent Mark Anderson an email and said I'm not entirely sure what your situation with the chap with Jewish chaplains are right now because there had been some people who had been there um, my first couple of summers as on staff and then there was a, a rabbinical student my third summer on staff um, who you know was was ordained he's now a rabbi in Connecticut um, rabbi J Telrav. Um, and uh, and I wasn't sure what had happened in the pre- intervening years and I said well, like what's going on do you have chaplains now like what's your need and he like he called me uh, and and here I am now.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Because and you did that then for four summers. Yeah. That, exactly. yeah. yeah. So I did
1: it for th- it was three full summers. It three was full- um, all 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 of all of fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. And then um, in seventeen, um, I um, I just, I was ordained um, in May of twenty seventeen. I became a rabbi in May of seven, 20, 2017. And um, I was traveling. I was I was road tripping from California to Chicago, where I live now. Uh, and I had, you know, two months or so, not a whole summer, but a couple months. And I said to, to, I said to Mark Anderson, I said, I'm going to be driving through the area. What's the, I knew they had a chaplain coming in. Um, I said, what's the situation? When's he coming? Is there like, can is there like anything that I can do to be helpful? He said, he's coming this date. Can you come before that? Um, and I, so I was, I was there for like two weeks or so just at the very beginning of that season, which was a really cool. Um, way to kind of like finish out my 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 um my staff time right to be there and help um, help transition him in right i was able to meet up with him and spend some time with um rabbi jeff solomon who um who was the rabbi um that summer and um and part of the last couple summers
0: that's fantastic i'm really glad that you were able to do that for so for so long i mean that's a good chunk of time and what like just for those of us lay lay people clergy um what what is that like That like that journey to becoming um, rabbi i mean do you get this question all the time is it something you felt as a child is it something um yeah just a little bit about that
1: yeah that's a great question uh, and it's a question i get uh, uh, and, you, and you ask there's two different answers to that question one's like the like the like the thoughtful like spiritual answer right like when did you decide did you want to become a rabbi um and i actually film is actually part of that story right in in like reading through these um your questions right you ask like talk about like um you know, when did you, like, how has Philmont, like, inspired you in what you do now, right? And the easy answer for me is, like, well, I was a chaplain, and now I'm a rabbi, right? Um, but the real answer is, you know, um, when I was working as a conservationist, um, was one of, like, the first times I was, like, inspired in, to engage in education. Um, you know, I never really, like, that was not what I saw in my path. I was, I was a liberal arts major, right? Like, I, you know, had no idea what I was going to do in with my life. Um, and I, I learned how much I love teaching. Um, you know, cons- the conservationists—they get three hours with the treks, right? You get three hours with them, and uh, which is a lot of time. Right? Rangers get more time, right? But like a lot more time. But like compared to many other people who interact with individual crews or individual scouts, um, it's a lot of time. And you get three hours to really teach them something meaningful, right? Because like you can say, "Oh, like let's go dig a hole, right? Let's cut down trees." I spent a summer cutting down trees in summer at Simran Um and we like. Cool. Let's go cut down trees, but like that's not valuable unless you can spend you know a significant part of that time telling them why are we cutting down these trees, right? What's right. the value of us cutting down these trees to the to the ecosystem? What does that mean for the forest that we're in? What, what does a healthy forest look like? Um, and I'm not a science person, but like I was able to like understand the science enough to um, to be able to share that with people. Um, yeah. And so to answer your to, to go back to the answer to your question, right? Um, uh, you asked, right, like, what? How, why did you want to become a rabbi? And so, like, I started learning about the things that I loved doing, and I loved teaching. And after um, Philmont, I went down and I was I was an elementary school teacher for a couple of couple of years um, out in California, uh, and I lo- there was things I loved about teaching. Um, And I, and and there was other things that were missing in my, um, in my life. Um, and I really was like, was missing the, like the spiritual connection and I was missing like the bigger picture stuff, right? Like I loved teaching, but I felt restricted by the classroom and I felt restricted by certain limitations that were placed on me or that I was placing on myself. Um, and I needed something bigger with, with more significant, with, with a different kind of purpose. Uh, and, um, and becoming a rabbi, rabbi literally means teacher. And one of the ways that it translates is so and like, that's what I do all day, right? I sit like this, right, on, on Zoom all day, um, but I, I sit in classrooms and I sit in one-on-one with people and I teach them. Um, sometimes that's like actual formal classes. Um, and sometimes that's like through the most joyous moments of people's lives, when they're having children, when they're getting married, um, you know, um, I get to like talk to them and engage with them and teach them about how, what, like, how do we infuse this moment? with spirituality and with meaning and, and with faith, uh, and then enter the most difficult moments in people's lives when they're experiencing illness or challenge or death. You know, I get to like, how do we find meaning in like a really dark and challenging time? And that's what being a rabbi is all about. So, um, so that's, that's why I wanted to be a rabbi, right? Some people like, you know, they're bored. They're like, you know, six years old. and like, I want to be a rabbi. You're like, okay, cool. Um, that was not my path. That wasn't how I got here. Um, you know. So that, that's, good, that's the part of my journey. The, the other part of your question is like, I think there was like a, um, a tangible, like how do you become a rabbi part of it, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so I I, um, I have an undergraduate degree, you get an undergraduate degree and rabbinical school is a graduate degree. Um,
0: okay.
1: I, um, six years of, of graduate school, um, which is a lot of years of graduate school. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and, um, you know, and you learn, you know, like there's like um, academic classes that I take um, or I took. Um, you know, academic stuff about um, about Bible and about Talmud, right? Jew- about Jewish books, about history, um, and then there's like practical classes you take, right? About um, you know how to speak to people, how to teach properly, um, how to how to give a sermon, right? How to officiate different um, life cycle events, um, and so that's why it's all it's a, it's a lot. Um, yeah. And, um, and that's how you become a rabbi, right? And then you get, and the end of it, you get, or, you're, you're ordained. Um, and it's, it's, it's actually um, for people who are Catholic, it's actually not that dissimilar from the, from the, um, the education process for somebody um, who, who becomes a priest. And Catholics, either you either go to undergraduate school or minor seminary, um, and then you go to major seminary, which um, is very, is kind of very similar um, okay. in a lot, in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, it's, being there for people during like the big moments of life, the, the, the joyous moments, the sorrowful moments. Um, does that, I'm just curious, do they, um, it's so like, there's a mentorship, almost a therapy, um, side of things. Do they teach you how to kind of protect your own mental health? Like, did you carry that with you?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Right. So there is, there is very much like a mental health aspect to it um, Right. we take, I'm, I'm not a therapist. I don't have my MSW, my master's in social work or my master's of family therapy and that kind of stuff. Um, therapists are, are especially trained for that, but there is like an element to it. Um, you know, you normally, we, I would talk, right? Like, um, you know, your you your, you are, when you're meeting with somebody getting married, you're like working through issues of what does it look like? to be married right what does it look like to share a life with somebody to share a home to have children with somebody potentially right um you know when you're talking you're like about somebody's death you're talking about like what does this mean how do you how do you recover from you know the fact that somebody that you love right or maybe somebody who you didn't hate with love right right somebody you had a really challenging relationship with um just died and it's no longer there and what does that look like for your future um so there very much is a family a, a therapy part to it and so like i've i have some background in therapy, and that's actually what, like, one of the really cool things about being a chaplain at Belmont um, was a lot of that experience. Um, and uh, and like, and there is a part of it, like, how do I, like, how do we take care of ourselves, right? So you know, I'm in therapy too, right? I like, I see a, I see, I see, a, I see a therapist on a regular basis, um, and I encourage other people too as well. I think it's a really important thing for whether you see somebody regularly or you see somebody irregularly um, to have somebody to, 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 to talk to, um, to 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 process things with. Um, and I think that there's something really like healthy about that. Um, and, um, and so like, and understanding and also like, you know, um, in especially in the world we're living in right now, right. Um, it's really easy to um, feel overwhelmed um, and uh, unable to kind of like take a breath, to take a break, um, unable to process, able to find like the joy in life and like figuring out what are those things that you find that find joy in life? How do you like like disconnect from, you know, from the screen in front of you, right? Like um, I know you know, my, um, my, I'm sitting in my office right now. It's, um, you know, about six feet from my bedroom. Um, and it's really easy to like work all day long. Um, yeah. and I, and, like, I take, 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 you know, thoughtful time to, you know, get out and go biking or go hiking or, you know, hang out with the dog or whatever it is like the things that are like really like, like, um, able to disconnect and find joy.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Find, find that balance. Um, Thanks for sharing all that. I find that incredibly intriguing and, and wonderful. And I'm glad that that we have people out there such as you and other therapists, et cetera, to keep us all uh, feeling, feeling healthy mentally, physically. Um, so sort of kind of bouncing off of that, what is... So so, I think people are people. Philmont people are familiar with the idea of a chaplain, uh, the idea of even you know the chaplain's aid position, the duty to God. Um, in my in my backcountry experience, um, I was familiar with chaplains as far as you know, uh, frankly, like helping out with driving in the backcountry, like being transportation, um, also being there for for you know challenges a crew might be having or challenges for staff members. Um, So that's my perspective. But I realize there's also PTC and there's CHQ and there's the infirmary. Um, So like, you know, Philmont has a lot of working pieces. We all know that. And the chaplains tap into all of those pieces, it seems to me. So just kind of just kind of. um, a job perspective, you know, maybe what is something a task you did or something you did that other people maybe didn't see or would be surprised by um, in your role as a chaplain?
1: Yeah, that's great. It's so like I think you're right. Like most people's experience of the chaplains is like services, right? So we we lead service, and, and and I film we lead services a lot, uh, right? We lead it every every night of the week, and we're also there's a variety of special services that we're leading for whether it's for PTC or nail or for special tracks, um, you know. Um, And, um, and the chaplains like kind of coming in, like being a mediators, right, for crews that are having issues or for staff that are having issues or being, you know, being a source for people, um, you know, we know that like there's a lot of times where life outside of Philmont starts impacting life at Philmont um, and, you know, being able to kind of like be a, be a space, a safe space for people to kind of like engage in, um, in that creativity or in that, in that thinking about how do they find that balance between those two things or how do they rectify those, those, those challenging feelings. Um, and I think th- that is a lot of it. Um, you know, one of the things um, Elder Wilson, um, who I give a lot of credit to as like somebody who taught me how to be a chaplain at Philmont, um, uh, I ta- often talked about what we, what he called the ministry of presence, um, right? That like a lot of the work of a, of a Philmont chaplain is just physically being present places, right? Um, and, you know, so you see, um, and, I, and I, I'm always curious, like what, what, what was the, um, the staff's opinion like, right? when I there's, there's nine chaplains, um, nine chaplains. No, that's not right. There are eight chaplains, um, at any time at Philmont theoretically about eight okay. chaplains, um, about, um, three Protestant chaplains, about three Catholic chaplains, an LDS chaplain and a Jewish chaplain, uh, at any, at Philmont at, at, at any one time. And we're kind of spread out around um, the ranch. We actually have a rotation, um, right? Like if diff- we have, we have different jobs that each of us do for a week at a time, um, you know, um, uh, back country, logistics, infirmary, PTC, I'm forgetting some, uh, right. Uh, you know, and part of it is like saying like I'm going to be present with this part of the ranch for the next week. And so like w- when, you know, um, when I was in, um, in, in base camp, right, was, what is one of the rotations? Um, you like, you're just, you have to be present in base camp. And like, it's really easy to be like, I'm going to go sit on my porch and read my book. Right. Um, is like, and that's, it, it, that's an amazing week. I like, I really right want more of those weeks, sitting on a porch on a porch swing and, and reading a book. Um, but, like, what it means is, like, I'm going to go and I'm going to spend my time, right, like, wandering around base camp and stopping in different departments and talking to people and meeting new people and, and engaging with people that I already know um, so that, like, if something's happening, right, I know I can, I can learn about it. And then hopefully, right, like, I can, I can learn about it. And then maybe, maybe whether it's talking to somebody or helping somebody or just giving somebody an opportunity to say something to me um, you know, so I can be like a place for them to, um, for them to vent or for them to like kind of release some emotions. So, you know, I, I, I had a, um, I, I, in base camp and this is the true in the backcountry too, right? Like you kind of like in the backcountry, it's like, you know, when you're on a backcountry rotation, you know, you kind of like you're out driving, right. Which is the way people think of us, but like, it's also like stopping at, at camps and, you know, hanging out with some of the staff, talking to some participants, sharing meals with people, um, and like kind of like giving them, giving them that space. So like in the, in base camp, and. Right, is the example that I was going with? Um, you know, I have like a rotation, right? Of like I'd, I'd like do a I, I called it a loop of base camp, right? Of loop a loop of CHQ, right? I, I, I like and I'd stop in in different departments and and talk to people. And you know, sometimes you come with an excuse to stop in, like this place has really good coffee, um, right? Like you know you 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 know where there, where there's good coffee. There's good coffee in the infirmary. There's good coffee in logistics. Um, good coffee in um, in the registration office, um, right? Like and you. And just kind of chat with people. And sometimes people are really busy working. And so you like say hi and you keep on walking, right? And sometimes people are kind of hanging out or there's people who are like, you know, there's some downtime, right? Early in the morning, oftentimes, you know, there'd be downtime kind of around the Welcome Center, right? A bunch of rangers hanging out, waiting for crews to come in. And so you can, you know, sit down and talk to them. Um, you know, or you like, you make your way into the, into the ranger office and there's, you know, um, you know, a couple, there's some ranger trainers that are trying to try, like do, fill out forms or, you know, you, you walk into the ACR office or the coordinator's office and you get to like, just, you know, see, you kind of feel out what's happening. Um, and understand if things happen need to happen. And, and, you know, sometimes that was just like, okay, cool. Like you chat, you chat? Everything's good. You keep on moving, right? You hang out for 20 minutes. You like, you know, talk about sports or whatever right? you talk about, right? Like whatever, what's going on in the world. Um, and you, and you kind of leave, and sometimes somebody would say something. Right? They'd be like, "Hey, do you got a couple of minutes?" And you said, "Okay." Like, and, th- and that's like, if I wasn't physically present, right? If I was like sitting on my porch, nobody would. Nobody's coming down to the. Well, this isn't true. Rarely is somebody coming down to the Jewish chaplain's residence and like knocking on my door saying, "Like, hey, Todd, do you got a couple of minutes?" Right? Um, that's, that's a huge barrier to get somebody across. But like, if I'm sitting in your space, your space, right? yeah, um, you know. Uh, there's a better chance that somebody is gonna, you know, say, Hey, Todd, you got a minute or like, I, I've been thinking about this thing. I'm, I, you know, curious or what you, what you, what you, what you think. Um, you know, I have a friend who, whatever, right. Whatever that might look like. Um, and then, so there's something really, really special about that. You know, if um, right. If, if we're, if we're doing that, if we're, you know, if we're driving around in the back country, right. And dropping off mail and picking up, you know, infirmary patients um, and then keep on driving, like we're not doing our jobs correctly. Right. If we're, Drive around the back country and we're like hanging out at, at, at camps for a while. And sometimes just for a couple of minutes and sometimes for a couple of hours. Right. Then, then we have like a really cool opportunity. Um, I have like a, a vivid memory of um, I, I was, I went, I was asked to go and talk to a crew at Poblado. Um, and, um, and so like, instead of like, and, and I knew that they were going to be getting in late in the day. Right. Like I, if you, like you, like I knew their itinerary, where they were coming from, you knew what they were, was going to be like, they were going to be a, a late crew coming in um not super late but later in the afternoon and it was still pretty early in the day and i said like i'm gonna go now right and and i um and i and i laughed and i stopped at hod and um and and like uh i like it, they, they i think they were having like their fill fiesta that day and like hung out for a little while and um and then like drove down to poblado and like hung out for a while and like hung out of the you know like sat in the cabin and sat in the um out by the by the pole yard and like whatever, whatever and then finally like, like the, the crew came in and i actually only need to talk to the crew for like five minutes. Right, right. Like they actually had a really good handle on what was going on. Um, but like, I, I, did it, and then, and then I left. Right, like you know, and you know, if I had just driven in to Poblado, been like, "Where's the crew?" Talk to the crew for five minutes, and driven out. Right, like, why? Like, it's, it's you're, you're missing out on so many opportunities for, um, for staff, for participants to, um, to kind of engage and see what's going on in the world, and like, and hopefully, um, you know, to, um, to proactively kind of deal with some of those things.
0: Yeah. Just I love, like you said, um, Elder Wilson, the mystery of ministry, <laughs> mystery, the ministry of presence, um, being approachable, being a familiar face. Um, it, it makes it easier to to come to you if there is a challenge um, or maybe. And also, like, if there's a joyful thing like to share. So it's just. um a beautiful way to build relationships at Philmont, which Philmont is hugely about relationships. So um, that's, I love that. Um, and I was a backcountry manager for one summer. And and just hearing you describe that, like, I almost kind of wish I had had that mindset as well, because sometimes it was, you know, go to this camp, go to Clear Creek. And so, you know, you'd kind of get some paperwork done, or you would do this or that, and you'd finally get, get going to Clear Creek. and And, you know, that's I love the mindset of stopping along the way um, intentionally just to stop along the way and see what happens, see what unfolds. Um, so, yeah. so kudo, and, kudos and, to you guys. And, and some,
1: and like, right. And sometimes you have to like, you got to go to Clear Creek and you got to be out there as fast as possible. And you sure. to right? Like, right. Like sure. you can't always do it. Um, but like, I think exactly, I think that's, that's part of it, right? Like, like Philmont has so many different moving pieces. Um, and when you're, you know, I know this is true for when I was in the conservation department, right? Like, I, I knew what, like, what was happening in the conservation department. And, like, I kind of knew what was happening a little bit in the backcountry because, like, I was living in the backcountry. Um, but I had no idea of the rest of the, of the rest of the ranch. Um, and all the people and all the, the like, the lifeblood, the organs that are kind of, like, pumping and, like, helping things more, move in the systems. And, you know, and being a chaplain is, like, saying, like, you know, I'm going to, like, stick my head into the big departments. And I'm also going to, like, stick my head into, right, like, some of the smaller places. And I'm going to go, like, going to go, right, like, like talk to people in um in other in uh, areas that maybe don't get as much um as much attention as well. I like to see kind of where what's going on there is too. Where right? there's it's like there's departments where there's one seasonal staff member, right? Um, and like to, to see what like how that person's is doing, right? As well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, is does the do the chaplains have any? meaningful traditions or fun departmental legacy things you can share? <laughs>
1: That's good, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, the chaplain, I mean, like the, there's some nice, like, there's like lots of nice things about being a chaplain. Um, you know, the chaplains are oftentimes very, very close, right? There's only a couple of us, um, you know, where, you know, there's an only, and only some, a few of the, of, of the eight of us are there all summer long, right? The majority of the chaplains kind of rotate in and out for, you know, a month or a couple of weeks. Um, you know, um, and so like there's like we're, we're very, very kind of close, cohesive group um, and kind of all and we're also like all off kind of doing our own thing a lot of the time. Um, and so like the, the, the best um, chaplain tradition I could come up with, um, right, um, Jim Johnson um, at Motorpool and um, and his wife, whose name I, I forget, um, uh, uh, who, who who I should credit because then we, we, he, would, he would have us over to his house um, two or three times a summer um, for dinner. Um, and Jim clearly was not cooking. Um, <laughs> uh, and it was like one of the, like, it was something so special because Jim um, is a, like many people know, many of the people who like drive, right, who have driving privileges, know Jim as like kind of like this, you know, kind of grumpy old guy, right? Who, um, who like likes to give people problems, but he's actually like this the nicest person ever. Um, and we'd like you know go over and it, you know um, it was always like you know um, jalapeno poppers and enchiladas and all these like wonderful things that she make for they make for us and we just kind of hang out and I think that was like something that was really really special um, because. Um, we're a, we're, a small department. He, he's a very small department. Um, and it's also like the way that like they would, um, you know, I think, um, we have a lot of appreciation for him, right? Like I, I have, I have lots of great stories about Jim and motor pool. Um, uh, but, um, you know, it was, it was a really cool way, um, for us to kind of connect and to decompress together as a group, which is really nice.
0: Yeah. Also, you know, for someone, it's, it's always good to be, it's always good to care for people and then be cared for. So that was really good of them to, to treat you to a meal in their home. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, were there any other specific supervisors or mentors that really guided you in your path? I know you mentioned Elder Wilson. Were were there any others?
1: Yeah. So one of the things I think about a lot is like, um, the, um, what are the attributes on specific people that I want to take to embody? Right. Um, and, you know, cause there's, there's people who like, I think like, you know, right. Like the people who taught me how to be a chaplain at Philmont, right. Um, elder said and Padre and father Ray are the three people that I think about immediately. Right. Um, you know, who are people who, um, who been around Philmont for a long time and know how to do it and like have different, each of them also like have, have very different perspectives on the world. Um, and very different perspectives of how to be a successful chaplain. Um, you know, uh, Padre is really interesting. Padre doesn't have a scouting background at all. Um right. He did not grow up in scouting and yet like he's been on a ton of treks and like worked at Philmont for a very long time. Um and also like has the wisdom of right of a bishop, right? Like, um, which is like a really kind of different understanding. Um and um as a and as a leader and um and Father Ray, who's a lot of Father Ray's experience um has has to do with uh with working with police and fire chaplaincy. Um, right, he's a, he's a, he's a parish priest, uh, or he was a parish priest retired recently um, in Maryland, but like a lot of his work um is with um is, is like is helping support people who are caring for people um and it's a really interesting thing father Ray right now actually is a secret service chaplain which is really cool Wow! Um, right? yeah <laughs> right really really cool um, right so that's that part of it but it's also like thinking about like the other people who like have specific things to it, right so my my first camp director when i was at apache springs um is it was kyle robinson um who um it would and one of the things like, i remember from kyle um it was Kyle was it was a second summer in a row that he was the, ca- the camp director at, um, at Apache Springs. That's not something that's very common, right? People don't usually, aren't usually the camp director the same camp two summers in a row. Um, and Kyle had this had, like he, he said he did a lot of stuff with Apache this summer before, and one of the reasons he wanted to be back there was because like Apache Springs is the middle of nowhere, right? It's one of the hardest camps to reach. Um, and he said, I want to make Apache Springs be a camp that people respect and want to be around. In the previous summer in 2003, he talks about how like they had their Phil Fiesta and nobody came. Right, it was just, and like right, like they had a great staff and whatever. Right, but it they they was like a, list, a little sad. And he said, "We're gonna for our Phil Fiesta this year. We're gonna have people here." And true to his word, there were there were more people at our Apache Springs Phil Fiesta that summer than there were at our Cimarron City Phil Fiesta the following summer right nice. like, because like he like he, like he developed relationships and we like we all we knew people and we like encouraged people to like hike out to us right come out and hang out and we're gonna we're gonna show you a good time um which is really cool so like that that part of it um right um and my camp director at um at cedo was mike Ritterhouse, um who like i know it's, it's come up multiple times and is, is a, has lots of really wonderful things about him um i think a lot about like about like the leadership that john has brought the conservation department he was my like my first supervisor. Um, in the conservation department, um, and thinking about like the systems, right? I'm not a systems person, um, and you know, I, I, like the systems that allow that to work. Um, so, like those, are, like the supervisor's parts to it. But I also think about like the what are the attributes of, um, of other people who like I worked with um, or saw work. Um, you know, there's 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 a kind of person, and I think all of us can name people in our lives or who we work with who like fit this kind of. Um, the space within the film on, like the experience that where they have this, uh, this like childlike embrace of the film on experience, right. Where they like, yes. they, they like, they can, they can, they can throw themselves into, I am in 1910, right. I am in, I am in 18, whatever. And, you know, and here I am and what is it, right. Like, and, and I can really embody that. And yet at the same time, they can like um, flip the switch and like be ready to like take something really seriously that needs to be taken seriously. Um, you yeah. know, some people are really good about having fun and aren't able to flip the switch. Some people are really good about, about being serious when it needs to be serious and aren't able to have the fun. And there's like another, there's another switch to it. And so when when I worked at Cedar, there was a guy I worked with. His name was Tech, um, who like did that for sure. Um, uh, uh, we uh, he 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 like he figured out ways to make things fun that were not fun. Um, he built he uh, that summer at some point during the summer he built a backpack out of um, out of some leftover climbing rope. Um, uh, an, an, an old mailbox we found in like laying in storage, and two broken coffee cans. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and if, if you if you want, I'm sure there's a picture of this on my Facebook. Um, I know for sure there's a picture on Mike Raderhas's Facebook um, of this uh, of this. Because what he ended up doing um, is Mike Rader ha- Mike got Mike or Tech, I'm not sure which one of them did it. Got it in got it in the Phil News as like a, a fake ad, and um, and 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 the and the, and the quote. Um, he, there was like three different quotes that he like, they, they got, they, they, they made up from people who like worked at CEDA that summer. Uh, and, but the one that I remember the most is one of our other staff members, their, their fake quote was, you know, the best backpack I've ever seen made out of a broken mailbox. Right. Like it's it just like, and, but like that's kind of like childlike quality is like so ridiculous. And it's also like something that allows Philmont to be Philmont. Right. Um, and like, you know. Um, how do we like those of us who are maybe less have less of that childlike embrace, able to find that childlike embrace in the moments? Um, you know,
0: yeah.
1: I, like the I, I um I was thinking um an, another one of those characteristics. There's like I think a lo- lot about like the words that we use, right? And the and what the words that we use um say. Um, you know, when I was um when I was a chaplain, we had there were two um I don't remember which summer it was, maybe Maybe 2015, maybe 2016. The Rayado Trek coordinators were um, were Morgan and Mary, um, and um, and they um, we often talk about like Rayado Trek, the Rangers who are leading Rayado Treks as being Rayado Rangers, right? And um and they said and they said no, that's not true. They said they are Rangers on Rayado, right? And like that, like that, and and the, the point they were making, right, is like you are a Ranger first, right? And if you look at and if you look at the back of anybody's um, uh, uh, name tag. Where like where their job is? It says ranger, comma, and then it'll say chief ranger, or a chief, or associate chief, or it says chaplain, right? Dash Jewish, right? And it says like I'm I'm at my core, I'm a ranger, and this is what I happen to be doing for the next three weeks. Right? This is I happen to be I happen to be out on Riata, but I'm at my core a ranger, and I think and and like understanding that is really important. Just like at their core, right? You know, Matt Nutt might be a a, is a ranger. He's not the chief ranger, right? he is a ranger and does all the things every other ranger does. Um, so I think like those, th- those are the things I think about a lot as people, um, who like have specific, and I, and like, those are some individual names, but like, I think there's a lot of people who like embody some of those characteristics, um, they think of, that they think about it. Right? Um, I know on a previous episode, um, Kyle and, um, and his sister Robin, were talking about like trailheads versus tra- turnarounds. And it's like very similar. Like, what do we think about, um, you know, the words that we use and how they impact people? Um, and like messages that they communicate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. i when I was dreaming up this idea of the podcast, you know, I have this like notebook full of just like brain dumping ideas, and one of the things that came up was um like Filmont the Philmont language I mean, there's a whole like vocabulary and and vernacular it's just like there's ICAMP camp and there's all these different words, and there's lots of different acronyms too and um I I like the point you make about the name tags and what they say on the back and, and, and kind of at your core, what, what you are, what you are for that summer, for, for, for that position. Um, so you mentioned there's at any given time around eight chaplains and, and, um, with several different, uh, faiths, Protestant, um, Catholic, Jewish, LDS, am I missing any?
1: No, that's it, right? Yeah, Protestant, Catholic, Jewish, um, LDS, yeah, four.
0: Yeah. Do you ever were there ever challenges where a, a specific religion like felt like they were underrepresented, or, or you couldn't, uh, like, did you ever ever challenge counseling someone who didn't share your faith? I guess that's kind of two questions.
1: Hmm. It's, it's interesting. So yeah, it's, it is two questions. So I think um...
0: because you know at Philmont, it, there doesn't seem to be any butting of heads (laughs) between the faiths, which is beautiful. And maybe that's false, but in my perspective, I I don't see that, that you seem to work cohesively, you know, in the outside world, not so much, maybe all the time. Um, So it's just really a beautiful, interesting thing to consider.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think there's, there's, there's a couple of parts to that, right. Um, You know, I want to, I want to address that the first part of the question you asked first. Sure. Um, the, like the ideas are are they underrepresented, right? Cause like the, we, we, there's, there's, there's four group faiths that are represented, right? Which is actually interesting because three of them are Christian, right? And then there's Jewish, right? Um, and, um, and there's lots of other people of other faiths that are at Philmont. Right? Whether we have, we have we have Muslim um, Scouts and staff members, we have Hindu and Buddhist, we even even like other Christian faiths, right? There's there's oftentimes there's Greek Orthodox uh, uh, um, uh, Scouts, and right, I, we I encountered right, like I learned at Philmont first the first the first time about Jain, which is a, a, a religion, um, uh, you know, and what that what that means, right? Because there was a trek that came through that that um, a number of them were part of the Jain faith, um, and so there's like a lot of those. Um, like the differences and we think like, well, why, why is there not, right? Like, why is there not a Muslim chaplain at Philmont? Um, and honestly, I don't, I don't have a great answer for you. Right. I think like part of the answer is like, there's a historic, like there's, there's, there's these are the four faces of Philmont. Right. Um, and, uh, and that's the way it is. Um, part of it is, is like, it's, it's, it's hard, right? It's it's hard for them to get a Jewish chaplain every summer, right? There's been numbers of summers and I believe this is true. Some of the summers that you worked at film or there wasn't a Jewish chaplain.
0: Yes, Um, that's correct. Yeah.
1: And so like, like, it's like that, that's part of it is like just the logistical nature of it. Um, part of it is like historic nature of it. Um, and so like, and I think one of the things that we need to think about doing as scouting becomes more diverse, which is a really important part of the future of scouting, um, you know, is like by, you know, showing representation of other groups and other faiths in leadership positions, like, right. Having Muslim chapels at Philmont, right. There's like, there's a great Muslim display at Jamboree every year, right. There's a great Buddhist tent at Jamboree every year, right. Like, like, let's well, like, what's the next step there at Philmont? Cause there, cause there's could be, right. There's no reason there isn't. Um, so that's, that's the first part about it is thinking about like representation. Um, and it's just like, it's, and it's, and it's hard, right? Like, Philmont, Philmont is a, um, is an aircraft carrier, right? Like, Philmont is a big thing. And we all know from this week, right, how difficult it is to move a large ship, right? Yeah, um,
0: <laughs> indeed, in the Suez Canal. And,
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Like, there's, it's, it's hard, right? Like, um, and so, like, you know, um, and, it, and it, and it costs money. And there's, like, a lot of, but, like, it's, it's an important thing for us to start talking about, because once we talk about it, then we can start making the change. So that's, yeah. that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The other part that you like talking about is like the relationship between the chaplains. And I think, um, you know, uh, where there's where, like, there's a, because of the kinds of people who work at Philmont, right. Um, because of the kinds of people who work at Philmont, there is a huge amount of respect for each other. And I don't think this is unique to the chaplaincy. Right. I think this is something that exists throughout the people who work at Philmont, the kinds of people who are attracted to Philmont. Um, that there's a, a lot of that respect. Um, and I think there's also an acknowledgement that there's a lot more that makes us similar than makes it different. You know, um, like at our core, at our core, every religion is trying to do the same thing. Every religion is trying to tell you, right, how do you find meaning in life? How do you find connection with something that is greater than yourselves? And some of us call that connection God. And some of us call that connection God. Allah or, um, or Jesus or something else, right? Like we all, we're all talking about like, how do we find that connection that's greater than ourselves? And how do we make an impact in this world? I mean, how do we find the rules and the morals and the values that are going to guide us through this world? Um, and I think like when we understand that on our core, we are where there's a lot more that is similar to us than that is different, that it allows us to become together. Um, there's a, there's a story and I've been told this is not a true story, but I'm going to tell it anyway okay um the the uh, the National Jewish Chaplain a couple of years ago was on a um who uh, was on a um, very active and like the um, in-world in scouting um was on a trip and encountered um one of the leaders of scouting in Saudi Arabia and he said and like and here's here's a here's a, a rabbi and like and a and, a, and a, you know a, a religious Muslim from Saudi Arabia right clearly don't have a lot in common. Right, and they encountered each other, and he said, like, and you know, um, and the, um, the 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 Muslim leader, right? I want to, I want to say it was an imam, right? Like, said, like, you know what? We might have a lot of stuff that's different about us, but we're both Scouts, right? And that's so, that's so much more important than the things that are different about us. I've been told it's not a true story, but I tell it anyway because I think like the the values that like encounter are um, are,
0: yeah. are the same. Yeah. Do you, have you ever had any problems counseling a crew or a participant who was a different faith for, from you? Or is it the same thing? You, you have more similar, similarities than differences.
1: Yeah, I, I, I never had an issue. Um, awesome. You know, there, are, there are times, I think, when people want somebody from their own faith, right? You know, I think there are times when people, um, you know, especially when, when it comes to certain rituals or certain kind of life cycle things where somebody really wants to talk to a priest. Right. And like, I think when somebody really wants to talk to a priest, like we're going to get you a priest. Right, We have those, Um, you know, and, but I think the majority of the time people are just looking for somebody to talk to And, you know, there's nothing about the the counseling or the talking or the communication that I do or that the LDS chaplain does or the Protestant chaplain does, the Catholic chaplains do that is specifically faith-based, right? Like we might draw on our experiences, but we're not, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you, well, the answer to your problems Right? Is you become Jewish? Right? Like that's <laughs> right? like no, because that's not the answer to your problems. Right? Because the yeah. answer to your problems is like, how do you find meaning in your own life? Um, you know. And um, and so I, I've not, like luckily I've never had that happen. Um, and I think um, you know, I think that's I think that's part of like who comes to Philmont and what they're embracing. And I also think about like what are what are the kinds of um leaders the the, the scout leaders and the and the people who are inspired to be chaplains at Philmont. Right? Yeah. I know yeah. that the majority of people I'm gonna interact with and gonna counsel on a daily basis at Philmont are not Jewish. And it's very rare that when I when I do work at Philmont, I was encountering somebody who's Jewish. Um and I think that's important to know. You know, um if we if we if we walked in um and said, you know, you take the Catholics and you take the Protestants and you take and you take the LDS and you take the Jews, and like those people over there, they can be they'll fend for themselves. Like, <laughs> one, like I'm not gonna be very, very busy. There's other people gonna be very, very busy, and then like and then um, and that's, and that's not what, well, like what works. Right. Cause I think I also like sometimes, right. Like sometimes people want to talk to somebody to their own faith, but sometimes people just want to talk to somebody who like they identify with other reasons. Right. And so like, I would sometimes in, in, talk to people who were very, you know, religious Catholics or members of the LDS community, um, who like, they wanted to talk to me because like, you know, they knew that I had been, a been, in, uh, in conservation and they were like, that felt like that felt there was a connection there. Or we were both from, you know, we were both living in California, right? Like, we're like, they were like, whatever. Sometimes it's something different that they're looking for in that connection. That's not necessarily the faith connection. Um, and sometimes it's just like, I've seen you around a bunch because you've been like hanging out in the, in the ranger office, or you've been like, you know, you ended up at like, you know, you ended up at fish camp a lot this summer, right? Like, and so like, you're the person that I feel a connection to. Um, and so you're the person I want to talk to.
0: Yeah. Um, it's good to hear that it transcends religion. You know, it's, it's not just um, it's not just whether you're Jewish or Catholic or whatnot. It's, it's so much more than that, which, you know, is, is the hope. And, and I think that's what works best and what gets your job done and, and really helps people. So, um, I, I did have, um, I, I did post on social media, you know, if there were any questions specifically that people wanted, would, would have wanted to ask a chaplain at Philmont. And I, one that I really liked was, um, uh, if you want to share like, uh, your most difficult, but most rewarding day as a chaplain at Felmont. Wow. That's
1: a, that's, that's a, that's a, um, it's a really hard question.
0: It is. And if you want um, to skip it, I've got another one.
1: <laughs> no, I'm, I want to, I want to try to answer it. Um, okay. I'm going to try to, I'm not, and I'm going to, um, I'm not going to do it justice, right? Um so we we all know right in um we all we all know right in the summer of 2016 right, that there, was, there there was a flood um and um i think for so many people on the ranch that was one of their most difficult days and right? um and um both those people who were like directly involved in what was going on and those people even and those people who were not is really um powerful like really significantly impacted um and i think a lot about that day in my life um you know and early in the morning i ended up at i ended up at baldy town and up spending my entire day there right um for no just because like i was there and wasn't what well, they didn't want me to leave um, And i spent most of the day sitting next to sean murphy um and not talking to him um, and um and i think you know one of the things that I learned from that experience and from talking to um talking to father ray after that experience really um is that like each of us is impacted even though like we we, like the focus and the energy is going in one place those of us who are not part of it is are impacted just as much right um and um and because we because our world is our entire world Right, um, and we understand that like the, their experience is different, and I, um, you know, I talked um, a couple of weeks later to somebody who was, who worked in the South Country and then the in the in the, um, in the back end around the South Country, um, and like was real like, and so like was not involved in it in what was going on in, in any direct way, but who was was going through a lot of the same kind of challenges that the people who were were, um, and I think that that for me has been um, a um, a grounding kind of experience in like how I approach people who are, um, are experiencing different kinds of trauma in their lives on a daily basis, right. That, it, that you don't actually have to have a thing happen to you in the same way to be impacted. Um, you know, I, I, I have a story that it's not a film on story, um, you know, of, of a young man who died very young right, very young, very tragically, not, not, this is not Philmont, right, and, um, and his, and his sister, his younger sister, um, was, like, was, was, like, would talk all the time about how, how traumatic that experience was for her, right, her older brother died young and tragically, and, um, and one day she was telling, she was talking about it, and, um, and her friend at school, right, who was a child, right, all said similarly, like, I'm also, like, this has also been really hard for me. And the friend couldn't understand why it would be more traumatic for the sister than for herself. And, and that's a childlike thing, but it's like, like, that being present and being part of that experience um, is, is traumatizing for all of us, right? And we have to, like, understand, like, yes, like, should, like, the sister's experience is different. Right? Of course, the sister's experience is different than, the, than, than this, like, this, this, this the sister's friend. But the sister's friend deserves... To, to 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 grieve, the sister's friends deserves to get to to um, to to have counseling. The sister's friends deserves to have an opportunity to process out loud in the same way, right? And I think that that's like a um, that's what that's what one of the things that I've really learned from it. I don't, I, it, for sure, my most challenging experience at Belmont, um, you know, uh, and I'm one of the ones that I um I reflect back on it a lot.
0: Yeah. Um. Kind of going back to when you were saying um, finding meaning in your life and, and um, whether you call it um, by the name God or Jesus or, or what have you, um, it's just to me, it's just like a beautiful testament of like we are all connected and there's a true energy. I mean, it is real. You can feel it. And when things like that happen, it heightens that energy and that awareness and that meaning and con- connectivity. And um, it's it like it gives you goosebumps. You just the emotions full flow. And I think it's a really incredible part of being a human being to feel and share that connectedness in sorrows and in joyful moments. And um, what you were describing just there made me think of. Like anytime I have a friend who's um, pregnant and then has a child, I am just like the day they have that child, whether it's a sister or a friend or a cousin, I just I can't stop thinking about them because I've had a child and I've experienced that. And, and um, you know, it's just like I just want to share that energy with them and I want to call them and see how they're doing and this and that. And it's it's a joyful version kind of of of, of what I feel you were explaining because um, we we do all experience it although differently, you know, we, we are experiencing it.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's a that's a nice way to think about it, right? Like, we're, like we're in the same way we parallel joys and, 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 um, um, pain. Right. Um, and right. Every, every one of us goes to weddings. Right. And, um, and just because we're not the people getting married, just because it's not our siblings getting married doesn't mean that we're not experiencing joy in that, um, in that moment. Um, yeah. and, you know, just like when we right, we hear about somebody right, somebody that we that we maybe are less close to them. whose wedding we didn't get invited to, right? Yeah. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. Right? Like we're also able to experience experience right. Maybe we're, maybe we're you know less joy because we're you know um, we we were sad we didn't get invited to their wedding, um, right? But like yeah, abs- a- absolutely,
0: absolutely, yeah. Um. So this is just kind of curious, just kind of bouncing off like interactions with with staff and participants at Philmont. Um. One thing that I was taught in the backcountry was um, to try and. So, like, if you're having a problem with, if a crew was having a problem, like, you would have to figure out what the problem was and then figure out who you're going to go to. Like, are you going to go to the crew leader or the chaplain's aide or the advisor? And I, I'm just curious, like, how often do you first approach the chaplain's aide position? Mm-hmm. Or does it go um, to the advisor? You know, because I guess depending on the height, the situation. I'm just kind of yeah. curious what the the youth plays in that role. So
1: it's it's so it's so specific to the problem, right? Right? You know, right? Like if it's a problem with an advisor, right? And you there there like you got you go to the you go you have to go to the advisors, right? If you're and it's also like depends upon the kind of information you need to help solve the problem you're trying to solve, right? Because um, one of the things that I, when, when when a chaplain gets called out, we're, we're given like a little bit of information, like whatever information is communicated over the radio and you get into camp and you talk to the camp director or the staff that's been dealing with the crew right? and you get some more information. And then like, and then you got to figure out, right? Like you're, you're saying, right? you get to the question you you got, right? Which is like, okay, now who do I talk to next? Um, and sometimes you talk to the advisor and sometimes you talk to the crew leader and sometimes you talk to the chaplain right? I don't think I've ever talked, talked to a wilderness pledge. on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, right? Wilderness well, pledge ideas are wonderful and have an important role, but not in this conversation. Um, uh, but the um, like, yeah, I, it's, I think um, it's if like it also like thinks about by the time it gets to a chaplain, usually, right? It's usually a pretty significant, right? If the crew couldn't deal with it, if the um, if the backcountry staff and the camp director couldn't do weren't weren't able to kind of like manage the situation, by the time it gets to me, it's usually like a little bit bigger. And so sometimes it is about turning to the chaplain and saying, okay, like let's empower this chaplain. Aide, right? You have the ability. And like and you know, um I think this is a Padre thing, right? Padre would always say like the like the you know the crew leader is the oldest, you know, biggest, you know, strongest member of the of the of the crew, and the chaplainate is always the youngest and smallest and cutest. Right? Um, <laughs> right. And um, you know, that there's the like so but like how do you empower that 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 kid, right? That scout, um, to um to, 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 take on a, a bigger leadership role. And so sometimes it might not actually be dealing with the problem, right? It might be, um, giving them like, okay, now that I'm, now that I'm leaving, I don't want to ever come back. Right. And like, now I want to like, now I'm going to use this as an opportunity to talk to the staff. And now that we have things better, how are you going to help make sure things stay better? Yeah. And right? how are you going to help to make sure things um, continue on a, on a correct path?
0: Right. Right. Um, do you have? Gosh, we're almost up to an hour. That's kind of crazy. Do you have any specific stories you want to share or memories? I know you've touched on a few. Um, or
1: yeah, or do you want to I mean, jump? To um, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell. There's like, there's a couple of, of short ones. One of the things I think is always like cool, and anticlimactic like, about film on stories is like there's a lot of them that oh that you you, you had to be there for yeah right? yeah um, right. Um, but like I think you know right we we talked a lot about. Um, The um, like sharing sad news, right? That's a lot of what what I think chaplains do. They deal with they deal with challenging situations, Um, and so one of my favorite stories that to tell is like because one of the dreams of being a chaplain is like you get good news to share, and specifically you get to go out and tell an advisor that they just became a grandparent, right? Like that's the dream, right? Um, And I got to do that once, right? Um, And um, and and it's you know like I and I and I have like I was so excited about it. I was like thrilled. You know, and I um, I went up and like I was at Crater Lake and like, and I got in and the crew wasn't there yet. And I kind of hung out with people at Crater Lake for a little while. I'm like, the crew, like you saw this crew hiking in. And I like, I asked the first person in the crew, like, you know, what, you know, what's your, what, whatever, what's your itinerary number? Um, and he tells us, this is the crew. And like, instead of like, normally you like make a, you like try to like, be like really sly. You're like, okay, you got to find the right person and talk to them, call them offside, but, like without being, making a scene. And so instead I made a scene, right? Here's good news. I'm going to make a scene. Um, and and like and I was like, where's Mister what Right? Whatever the person's name was, and um he and he like kind of was like towards the back, and he like was like, yeah, right. And and he's like, I'm here for you. And I said, I'm here for you. And he and he kind of looks at me, and he's like, uh, she did she have the baby? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay, cool. And like then went back to his day, right? Like it it was the so I, I was like, do you, do you want to call her? Like I have a phone here. Like you can <laughs> you can like walk over and like call her. And he's like, all oh, right well, I'm gonna be in base camp in four days. Like whatever, right? Um. It was it, he. He. It was not his first grandchild. He was yeah. on track, like he's on track with another with another kid. Like he was, like he's like You're a baby. Like okay, cool. Like move on. It was like it was. I, I. was so excited for this moment, and it was just like so anticlimactic for me. Um. You know, it's like that, that's something I think I, I like. That's one. You know, one of I, like I think. Um. You know, one of the cool things, right? Like I worked at Philmont for three summers, and then took seven summers off, and then worked was there another four summers. Um, and so there were a number of staff members who, um, who, 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 I encountered in my first three summers who were on staff to like, a, who, who came out, who came on track, excuse me, during when I when like maybe knew me when I was on track, when they were on track and I was at, you know, at, CETO or, at or at Apache Springs really, um, in my first two summers. And then like, I met them on staff. Um, and, cool. there's, and there's one, um, there's, 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 there's one that I like, like, um, who, his name was, uh, Will, he was the camp director at Apache Springs in 2014. Right. So and we met at Apache Springs in two thousand um, cool. and four, um, and and I don't remember him at all. Don't remember him at all. And the reality is, he didn't remember me at all. But he remembered the experience. Right. Um, he when it, w- w- that summer was a really really wet summer, and um, and we spent multiple days where we weren't able to um, to work on the trail we were working on. Um, and what we had a, our routine for those days that we were on the uh, um, when we weren't um, on the trail. We weren't able to work on the trail. Was we would, you know, pack them into um, into one of the TPS, um, and we'd uh, and we'd talk to them. We would teach them for like an hour, right? The same sort of tool talk teaching we would do out on the trail, and then we'd sign up for them on their three hours, right? Um, so they got they got a good deal out of it, right? They didn't actually do the work, um, and uh, and we got a good deal out of it because we got to go back to the cabin. Yeah. Um, um and you, but you can't build a trail um, but he and he were, all he remembers about that experience is when we were putting them into the teepee the rule was you have to take your shoes off when you come into the teepee but the teepees are not particularly waterproof uh and so they would come in and there'd be like puddles of water all around the thing and his father who was his advisor had like managed to keep his socks dry the entire trek and so the only thing that he remembers about um, about conservation on that trek was that his father's socks got wet because of us. And, and so when he, when he met me, he, 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 he said to this day, his father, his father curses me out because I made his father's socks get wet.
0: <laughs> That's good. That's a really good story. It, it is. It's those little things. And like you said, the Philmont stories, they're tricky because you either like it's either like a story that everybody experiences, like oh, it's staff training, X, Y, Z happened, and you're like, yeah, yeah, we all experienced that. Good, that's cool. Or, or it's very um, like insider, insider, inside joke, or this or that. Um, but it is, it's those little details that stand out for participants for staff. I really liked the sock story.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I...
0: um, yeah. Um. So thank you. Do you want to? We can jump down to nominations and final thoughts. Um, is there anyone you'd love to hear from? Do you want to give any shout outs?
1: Yeah. So I, I, um, <laughs> I've got a really long list of people I'd want to hear from.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. A lot of people do. It's hard to pick.
1: It's, it's, it's and like, so, so um, like, like I'd love to hear from like Elder Wilson or from Padre. I think both of those gentlemen have like incredible stories and are like, we love to talk about them and share. I mean, I think especially, right, like, um, you know, Padre's, you know, Padre's are really good on social media. So we know that, um, <laughs> he, he, right, he, um, he, he'd, be, he'd be great. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I've been really enjoying about the podcast, I've, I've listened to all the episodes, and I've been really enjoying them, um, is uh, is you've been hitting different departments, right? And, I, and there's some departments I feel like we could, like, I'd love to hear more from, right? I'd love to hear from somebody from the infirmary, uh, okay. whether that's, like, I, I was thinking about Nate Lay. I also think Nate Lay could be interesting because he's got, like, other experiences at Philmont and at Double H, which is right. has like a cool place to share some stories from Double H. Often sounds like the, the Wild Wild West of Philmont. Um, uh Yeah, I would somebody from like from somebody from like logistics, right? Who was at Logistics for a couple of summers, right? I was thinking about somebody like Regina Engel. That right? could be like really interesting. Um, you know, that's a really f- cool space. The other thing I was thinking about, um, there's a so many departments that we don't know a ton about, right? You know, we we know right, we know about. Um, about the rangers and the conservation in the backcountry, right? And you know, scouts interact with them. Um, you know, but even like, you know, uh, we, we were talking before we started recording, right? Like the um, the episode with the with with the wrangler, right? Uh, with Tanner was like, right? I don't know, I knew very little about the on the Ranch department. It was really cool. Um, so I, I'd love to hear from somebody who like worked in the dining hall, right? You know, um, there's there's like a group. I mean, there's a lot of people who work in the dining hall one summer, and then maybe move on to someplace else. On the ranch. But a bunch of people who work in the dining hall love working in the dining hall like joey and molly have created this like space where people love working um in a job that's really hard uh and so I, i'd love to hear from somebody like that or from the trading post which is similarly right like it's a group of people who work really really hard um you know and um and have like real interesting experiences and it's also like um you know I mean, there's and there's a, a bunch of people who like stay there for summer after summer um yeah. or like there's um There's a bunch of departments that are really small departments that many people don't even know exist, right? Like, you know, um, right, like motor pool or maintenance, right, or tent repair or the merchandise warehouse, right? Like um, outfitting services, right? There's a bunch of these smaller departments that are, you know, just a handful of people that, you know, scouts interact with in in brief ways. And yet if they didn't exist, we would all know they, they weren't there. Right? We would all be very well aware of the holes in our tents if tent repairs didn't exist. Right? right. Or, you know, or the, or the toilets didn't flush if, if maintenance wasn't, wasn't around. Right. Um, and, and yet like, we don't really think about them until you're right. Until you like you, you having an issue, um, you know, uh, right. Like I know in my first couple of summers, like I didn't think about any of these departments and it wasn't until I didn't know they existed. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Until, until much later. Um, and so I think like hearing some of those stories, from some of those people and some of, and some of the inner workings of those departments would be really really cool.
0: Sure thing, I'm I love it. Yes, um, those, a bunch of those aren't
1: specific people, but
0: I think that's okay. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share with us today?
1: Yeah. Um, so so we're talking on um, on Saturday morning, the end of March, um, and. Um, uh, tonight actually begins a Jewish holiday. Um, tonight begins the Jewish holiday of Passover. Um, and Passover is the, uh, is the celebration of the Israelites' uh, escape from Egypt and their journey across the desert towards freedom. And so tonight, there's members of Jewish communities around, across the country, around the world, who um, are going to sit and share a meal together um, you know, um, they'll sit in small groups, they'll sit um, over Zoom, um, and, they'll, um, and they'll tell the story of the Israelites' journey. And when we tell that story, when we go, we're going to go through that ritual tonight and tomorrow night. Um, we're, we're supposed to tell that story as if we went free from Egypt, as if we ourselves went free from Egypt and When we think about that as like when when you're little kids, you think about oh like you know I experienced the the plagues and right like and I you know I walked across the desert and I I watched the seas split and I you know what right and but that's actually not what it means right what when when it says when we went free from Egypt, we're supposed to understand that today we still are going free from Egypt right that today there's there's still a journey from enslavement through freedom towards liberation. And that journey, like that journey isn't an experience of any one person, there's not like, right? We know that in that in that journey, like that God's a big part of like the Israelites escape from Egypt, and we know that Moses and Miriam and Aaron are big parts of that journey from slavery towards freedom. But there's lots of other people, some of them whose names we know, and some of whose names we don't know, um, um, names we don't know, um, who are part of that journey from slavery towards freedom. And the other part that we know from this story is is the understanding of what is Egypt? Right? Egypt is a physical place, but the Hebrew name for Egypt is Mitzrayim, and the Hebrew word for Mitzrayim it 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 means Egypt, but it also it comes from the word meaning the narrow place, the restrictive place, the place that exists without freedom. So when we think about these three things together, right? We know that like that all of us are currently in a place that limits our freedom. Sometimes it's a really like a physical experience, right? We've all been experiencing that year, that this year, right? Like we're, you know, we're, our freedoms are limited, right? That we're not able to go out and celebrate when we want to. We're not able to spend time with, with friends we want to. We're not able to travel we want to. We're not able to go to Philmont, right? In the same way we want to. Um, and yet all, that's also not just a physical place, right? Like that's, that's also an emotional place. Right. sometimes, right? Like we're an emotional place where we're really challenged. Sometimes we're in a spiritual place. where We're going through things internally right? where, we're, um, where we're feeling restricted um, we're feeling limited. We're feeling without freedom. And we know that the only way for us to get from those places, whether it's a physical restrictive place to a place or a an emotionally restrictive place or a spiritually restrictive place to a place where we have more freedom, is by us doing things together. Right? Us working together in the same way that Moses and Miriam and Nachshon and God were able to, like they allow the Israelites to, Move towards freedom, towards liberation, and the only way to make that happen is for all of us to to work together. And so, you know, as we think about Passover tonight and tomorrow, and over the course of the next week, as we celebrate Passover within the Jewish communities, we're gonna be thinking about how can we help ensure that we make our way towards a place of more freedom. And sometimes those things are like really easy, right? Sometimes those things are like are washing our hands and putting on masks and, right, and getting vaccinated when it's our time and it's when it's safe for us, right, are really easy things. And sometimes those things are really hard things, right, to go through, like, the internal mo- emotional processes to, like, to understand that we can be our true selves in this world, right, that we can experience the world in its fullness. Um, and, you know, this, like, this opportunity, right? You you and I getting this opportunity to talk has been a part of that opportunity, right? Like we've been able to share these stories and talk about our experiences and hopefully like embrace like what our freedom might, it looks like. Um and um and we know that all of us are on that journey together. And so um so I'm gonna encourage right everybody, right, who who listens, right, to um to figure out ways to embrace that journey for themselves, right? And to um, to make that journey from some place that's restrictive, some place that's narrow, some place that limits themselves towards a place that engages in greater freedom um, for themselves and for the world that we live in.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I hope to meet with you sometime in person someday, Todd. Um, but until then, until our our paths cross. Um, it was it was a joy to have you on the show today, and I know others will really enjoy listening um, to all you had to share. So, just thanks for accepting the invitation.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for uh, for offering the invitation, uh, and it's really been um, been an absolute pleasure uh, to get to, uh, to spend some time together this morning. <music>